This is the Life Church Podcast. For more messages, to watch our live stream, or to find other events, go to lifechurchnow.org. I'm going to ask our brother Matt and me grab this. Got to move. You got it? I get it. I get it, brother. I'll do it for you. All right. We got Matt Darnell here. Matt's actually... Um, He's a missionary chaplain with Honorbound Ministries, Motorcycle Ministry. It's part of the Assemblies of God. It's a, you can probably tell us a little bit about that sure. later. But yeah. I've known Matt for several years now. I, I first had a, my first conversation with Matt is that he showed up at one of our sectional ministers' meetings, and he was riding a Harley. Yeah, and I was like, true. wow, <laughs> now, I like that pastor. <laughs> yeah, so if you notice, there's some bikes out here, you know, that's what they do. But Matt, we love you, man. He blessed us this morning in the first service. You're not going to want to miss what he has to say now. Amen. Amen. Thank Let's you give my so hand. much, pastor. Amen. <laughs> what a blessing. So yeah, I'm a national chaplain with uh, Otterbound Motorcycle Ministry. I have the upper uh, Midwest uh, about eight states, like the Dakotas, Kansas, Nebraska, uh, Minnesota, Iowa, Wisconsin, Michigan, Indiana. I don't know. I might have missed one. I can't remember right now. Oh, the UP. I haven't been up there yet. But anyway, so uh, there's five of us that cover the whole United States. And then there's one that's international. We just started a, a new chapter in the Ukraine. So, and I think that, uh, and I, well, I know Life Church here supports that missionary. His name is uh, Curtis Hubble. Anyway, so uh, it, it's, a, it's an awesome ministry, a lot of protocol. So I do ministry to bikers, and I also do ministry to motorcyclists, amen? And somebody asked me the first service, what's the difference? And I said, well, the difference is probably a lifestyle. So we have people that live a lifestyle, which I would consider a biker, and then people that kind of ride on the weekends are a motorcyclist, amen? But can I tell you something? Here's a secret. It's all the same wind. It doesn't matter about a brand of motorcycle that you ride. It matters about if you like to get out there and put your knees in the breeze. Amen? And so if you're a knee dragger or you're a bagger, I, it doesn't bother me. Amen? I just want to share the road with people that love the Lord. Amen? So I, I encourage you, if you're interested in Honor Bound or you want to think about it, it's an awesome ministry that allows you to do things that maybe people uh, normally wouldn't be able to do for ministry. Amen? And so we have people that just go and get ice cream after church. They just go, they're an ice cream group. Amen? But you know what? They probably do a lot more ministry than the ones that, and they see a lot more success than the ones that do ministry just to like hardcore bikers. Because you know what happens? I call it a gas station ministry. Whenever you're getting gas, I get all kinds of people ask me about my patch. And I, and, I, and I do a lot of ministry on the road when I'm getting gas. And it's an awesome opportunity to be an evangelistic arm of the kingdom of God. Amen? And so anyway, it's a cool deal. Anyway, so I could talk a little bit more about it at the end of the service or at the end of the, the sermon. But I also have some book of hopes out there. They're free. I hand them out all over the country. Amen. And I usually uh, will give them to somebody, encourage you to give it to another person. I give them to truck drivers. I give them to people on cars. I give them to people on motorcycles. I give them to people on ATVs, side by sides, whatever. Amen. It's got some good gospel message in it. It also has some strong testimonies. Because uh, right now we're missing Sturgis. We've been reminded of that, I think, so many times. I've been reminded, oh, you're missing Sturgis. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> but anyway, we have a guy that's in that book called Rich Veerlin. He actually owns a Harley shop up in um, 
uh, Pennsylvania, and he also races top fuel Harleys. Anyway, he's right now in Sturgis doing free oil changes. And on the other side of the church, they're doing free bike wash. It's probably the only rated G bike wash in Sturgis. So anyway, it's done by a bunch of dudes, right? Anyway, praise the Lord. Amen. So anyway, so that's a good ministry. Then there's also another couple that's in Sturgis right now doing children's ministry. People are always so amazed that they do children's ministry at Sturgis. Well, let me just put you, a little, put you into a perspective here. When a, when a lifestyle biker, a guy that's a clubber, goes to a run that's mandatory, his whole family comes. So the wife comes, the kids come. You only, we only think about the dude riding together 100 miles an hour in the left lane, but the whole family comes. And they get tossed at the park, usually. Anyway, that's how this ministry started 20 years ago. They went and they said, the God spoke to them and said, hey, I, you can see all the stuff that's adult-sized ministry that needs ministry, but look, put your eyes to the ground or look down below you. And they just saw kids after kids after kids. So anyway, they're doing kids' ministry right now. And that's what we, we usually partner with, my wife and I, and, and also uh, Jobber has too, with the kids' ministry there. It's, a, it's an amazing ministry. Anyway. Yes, motorcycle ministry. It's so multifaceted. There's so much you can do because I'll tell you this right now. People that ride bikes and also bikers, they're family people. They got kids. They got a wife. I mean, the, the ministry is a, it, it, it's open, it opens a lot of doors to spread the gospel. But here's the title of my sermon today. It's called Brother in Trouble Needs a Real Friend on the Double. A brother in trouble needs a real friend on the double. And I want to speak to you before I get into that about uh, kind of the language of Cain. And, and Cain said something to the Lord that I, I always, uh, I think it's, it needs to be said in the church more, or at least it needs to be pondered more in our hearts. But Cain told the Lord, am I my brother's keeper? Am I my brother's keeper? And you can read about it in Genesis 4. Uh, it says, uh, but anyway, I will... You could look it up later, but uh, there's an account of the first trial ever recorded in Genesis chapter 4. Long before there was a courtroom or a, or a human jury, God himself sits as the judge. For he was uh, the God of whom vengeance belongs. And he will be sure to make inquisition for blood, especially the blood of the saints. The Lord said unto Cain, where is your brother? God asked Cain, where is your brother? Something Cain's arraignment occurred the following Sabbath after the murder was committed when the son of God or when the sons of God would usually come to him and present themselves before the Lord. And all of a sudden the Lord witnesses or sees that Abel is missing. We would always take notice or we should always take notice when faithful persons are missing from the assembly. The God of heaven takes notice of who's present at church and who's absent during public worship. Cain is asked because he had a motive. He was the last to see his brother alive. And because God knew he was guilty, Cain pled not guilty and adds rebellion to the sin of murder. He endeavors to cover a deliberate murder with a deliberate lie. How foolish is it to think that we could hide anything from our God that's all seeing? 
Cain tries to answer a question with the question. You remember what he says? Am I my brother's keeper? God wants to know where his brother is, and he asked the Lord, am I my brother's keeper? Surely he's old enough to take care of himself. Uh, did I ever take any charge over him? Something Cain uh, reflects on God and his providence. And as he says this, aren't not you the keeper? Aren't you the keeper? I think he's like poking at God a little bit. He's trying to poke at God and say, aren't you in charge? Aren't you the one that should know where he's at? Aren't you his keeper? If he's missing, the blame should be on you, not on me. The blame should be on you squarely, not on me. You should know where he's at. I don't know about you, but maybe you've been there. Maybe you haven't, but maybe you have. I can raise my hand. I have been there. I have been there in that place where, God, don't you know what I'm going through? Don't you see what I'm facing? Don't you see what's happening to me? God, you see everything. And why haven't you taken care of me? Why am I facing this? Some of us could be asking ourselves that right now about this, this whole pandemic. Why are we doing this? Why is this happening? Why is the church going through this? All of us are charged to have loving concern for our brothers and sisters. To serve as their keeper is a great duty, which is strictly required of us, but it is generally neglected by us. Those who are unconcerned in the affairs of our brothers and sisters and take no care when they have an opportunity to prevent the hurt in their bodies, their spiritual, what, you know, whatever you want to say, in their souls, do in fact, do in fact, speak Cain's language. Well, we don't have any concern for our brothers or our sisters. Well, we act like it's somebody else's job or it should be somebody else that should do this, not me. I mean, I see what they're going through. I see what they're facing. I understand that this is not a good time for them. But listen, this isn't any of my business. This isn't any of my concern. I hope somebody else will step up and take care of this because I got stuff to do. I got too many irons in the fire. I hear that a lot. I'm too busy, man. I, I got all kinds of stuff. I think a lot of people in the church are busy, but not really busy. I think we create our own busyness. And if we would really take a re reflect on that and take some of the stuff away, we really aren't as busy as we think we are. Especially when it comes to helping other brothers and sisters. Especially when it comes to being skin of Jesus or being the hands and feet of Christ. To me, there should be a better priority of us. Because, you know, some of us are too busy because our favorite TV show's on. Or we're in the middle of binging some good stuff on Netflix right now. And I just got, I'm so into it right now. I just don't want to miss this right now. I just got this thing rolling, you know. Those who are unconcerned in the affairs of our brothers and sisters and take no care when we have an opportunity to prevent their hurt, we're speaking Cain's language. We're speaking just like Cain. The language of Cain 
is an attempt to justify ourselves. It's an attempt to justify that what we're doing or, or, or what we're going through or, or the busyness that we've created in our life is more important than somebody that's hurting or somebody that's lost or, or even a loved one that's going through a whole bunch of stuff that we could even step in and just be an encouragement and just be the hands or the feet of Christ. But we've created this world, this bubble that we want to live in, that we're busy. I'm burning the candle at both ends of, uh, of the stick. And then I ask, who lit that? Who put that on fire? Who lit the wick? You're the master of your own schedule. You're the master of your own busyness. Don't let somebody fool you that that's just how your life is. You are in total control of your busyness. Especially when somebody's in front of you that needs you. Let's jump into a little bit of scripture here into Luke chapter 10. Uh, Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. So online people, if you're there, if you have your Bibles or people in the church, I think they're going to put it up for you. But listen, I'm in Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. And right now I'm in the NIV. That's where I'm doing my devotions. So this is where I'm at today. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replies. How do you read it? He answers, love your Lord God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him, church, half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road when he saw the man. He passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. Then he put a man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii, and he gave it to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was the neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The lawyer or the expert of the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, Go and do likewise. Who's your neighbor? Who's our neighbor? Who's our neighbor? Because Jesus has given us a profile of friendship. But the language of Cain is a little bit present by the lawyer, isn't it? The lawyer responds to Jesus' teaching in Luke 10, 29. The, the lawyer says this, but, but he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, Who is my neighbor? There's several facts we need to mention quickly about this road to, from Jericho, from to Jericho to Jerusalem. The road between Jericho and Jerusalem had a really bad reputation. It was very dangerous. It was called the Bloody Way. 
There was, there's even some roads in our lives that we should avoid. There's some places that we should avoid going. On the road of life, we're going to find people in all kinds of different conditions. Some of them are going to be wounded. Some of them are going to be just tore up. Some of them are going to be okay, but with a mask on. I mean, I could raise my hand on most every one of those. I know what it's like to wear a mask. I know what it's like to be tore up spiritually in my heart. I know what it's like to be, to be wounded. I know what it's like to be, you know, gossiped on, talked about. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to feel like I'm half dead. But I think that I had somebody speak into my life uh, when I was dealing with that. And, 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 and he told me, you know, don't give up on a brother because of they're half dead. Because being half dead means really they're half alive. And I think that's the thing that we need to remember. Well, we see somebody in need. They're not really like all the way gone or they're not all the way lost. They're not all the way uh, tore up. They're really half alive. They're really halfway there. They just need somebody to step up and somebody to put themselves out there and, and move aside the busyness and step forward with God's calling on their life and step into what God has said and be that friend or be that brother, be that sister. Don't give up on our brother if he's half dead. Don't give up on a sister if they're half dead. A brother in trouble needs a real friend, church, on the double. A sister in trouble needs a real friend on the double. Real friends will act without considering the sacrifice. Online, did you hear me? Church, did you hear me? A real friend will act no matter what the sacrifice. They'll go the extra mile. They'll take the extra effort. They'll step out of their comfort zone, what I'm trying to say. When they step out of their comfort zone, they represent Jesus where they express the hands and feet of Christ. Why do people ignore half-dead people? Some people in our society are considered disposable, to be used and then disregarded. Some people in our society are considered to be beyond help, while others in our society are considered to be beyond the area of our own responsibility, right? Go down to Walmart. The same dude over there is begging for money in his camping chair with his sign. And we pull up beside him. And he gives you that look with the sign. And you think to yourself, they, he's not my responsibility. But if he came to church, you know, I love on him. But well, like, he's over here over Walmart. You know, I, he's just out of my territory. And plus, I think it's a scam. And plus, I think that he's part of a syndicate of people that travel around all these different cities and try to tear at your heart and try to raise all this money and pull it together and travel like carnival people. It's just something I just don't want to deal with. This is, this is what I say. If you feel convicted to do it, then you should be obedient. But if you don't feel convicted, that's between you and the Lord. I can't control what he does with it, but I can control my obedience. I can't control what she does with it when I, get, when I lay that money out. I can't control what they do with it, but I can control my obedience. Because people need a friend. Amen. People need a friend. And, and, and when I say this, I want to just preface this. Listen, you can't hand it with judgment. Huh? You can't give it to them expecting them to do something with it. 
Okay. I just want to get that off my chest. I can't give it to them and expect them, like, hold on to it tight as they hold on to it. They got, they got, you can get a job at McDonald's. They had a big old sign there that said they're hiring. Uh, I hope you buy a cheeseburger with this and not cigarettes. You can't have any judgment with it because you're being obedient, right? You have no expectation of a return or a blessing back. Okay, I'm done preaching. No, I'm not really. I'm, I'm still here. Anyway. I've done on that one. I'm another soapbox. Here we go. Now, I wanted to speak to you quickly because when we talk about being a friend, when people are hurting, and we just read a parable, and I know it's very powerful. It's scripture. It's what Christ said. I just want to put a little spin on it. And you guys, you could add in your own people into it, but this is just what I came up with. It's kind of my, my sphere of influence is what I see. So anyway, let me just read it to you. I kind of, I like this little story. So anyway, Now it came to pass that a certain man was traveling Lonesome Street, a lonely dark road from Tom's Tavern to Bill's Bar. After visiting the bar and a copious amount of alcohol was consumed, this man just got stripped down. He got robbed of all of his goods, and he was left destitute on the side of the road, on the sidewalk, laying out like in skid row. There came away a certain respectable uh, religious leader, a bishop in a church. He saw the drunk was bleeding, beat up, vomit on his clothes, laying on the sidewalk. Deciding he was too drunk to talk to about his soul, he thought society should do something to prohibit such public drunkenness. So he scooted as far off to the right as he could and passed by him. Soon a social worker whose training taught taught him how to care for a person with all kinds of social and personal problems came the same way. He saw the man stretched out on the sidewalk. He looked at him, but concluded that the man was beyond help or hope. He straightaway continued on his way. After some time, an outcast of society, a biker riding down Lonely Street or Lonesome Street through, though despised by respectable people, watched suspiciously by the police. The biker saw the dying drunk and came where he was and called a fellow uh, other biker to come and help him. They spoke soothing words, lifted the man in their arms, and took him to a place where they knew he would receive care. The question I have for you is, who's your neighbor? Who's your neighbor? Because it's easy to have the neighbor that's cleaned up, respectable, nice clothes, Smells good, looks good, drives a nice car, nice house. That's an easy neighbor. What about the drunk neighbor? What about the neighbor that parties all night? What about the neighbor that lights firecrackers over your house, Bridget? We have a neighbor that does that. Not at a respectable time. He was all into it, boy, wasn't he? Anyway, what about the neighbor that doesn't like you? 
What about the neighbor that snubs you? What about the neighbor that's going through a divorce and has three kids? And you could hear him fighting in the house. Jesus' parable is a representative story of three kinds of people in the world. There are three kinds of people in the room. There are those who need a friend, those who could be a friend, and those who will be a friend. So point number one, real quick. There are those who need a friend because they have been injured. He's called a certain man. Anyone who has been injured by the system, by people, by circumstances, or by the enemy, no one starts out and wakes up in the morning and says, I want to be a failure. Life just happens. Let me jump to point number two real quick. There are those who could be a friend. The religious leader, the Levite, they saw the man, the Samaritan on the road, or they saw the drunk on the road, and they went as far right as possible and passed by them. They had an opportunity, church, to be a friend. They could have been a friend. But they decided this person was disposable. This person was not worth their time. This person was beneath them. They took their long religious nose and looked down on them. Point number three. There are those who will be a friend. That looks past the smell, looks past the 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 appearance, looks past the, the person that you are, looks past your circumstances. It says, I can see you're in need. I can see you need help. I can see that you are my neighbor. I can see that you desperately need somebody. You're bleeding. You're drunk. You have vomit on you. You need more than what I can give you, so I'm going to take you to a place that can take care of you. There are those who will be a friend. A brother or sister in trouble needs a friend on the double. Those in trouble don't need a lecture of how to avoid dangerous roads. Those in trouble don't need a self-esteem workshop on how to feel better on this side of the road. Those in trouble don't need a sermon on positive thinking. They don't need a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, church. But you know what they need? A real friend. They just need a friend. Sometimes what they need is somebody just to listen to them. And Bridget and I, in our ministry, doing this ministry to bikers or motorcyclists, whatever you want to call it, Sometimes the ministry is just presence, just to be there. It's not to say something. It's not to lecture them. Because can I tell you this? They've heard it a thousand times. And you say, well, maybe one more time and it will happen. You're right. Maybe one more time and it will happen. That's why we're there, to have the presence of Jesus, just to be there present. And when we have our presence there, we find that people will talk to us on the side, offline, behind the clubhouse, behind this. But I was telling somebody uh, in the, I can't remember who we were talking to about this, but out there in the lobby area, there's a real danger whenever they start to give their life to the Lord. There's a whole protocol system. I'll just, I want to share this with you. I dispatched in a brother. He was a, he was a one percenter. He uh, found the Lord. This is his story. He's got three wives and 11 kids. 
It was a, a dude that rode bikes and did the motocross. You know, the guys that do all the flips in the arenas. He did all that stuff. And then he got into a motorcycle club, found the Lord, got baptized the Holy Spirit, saved, water baptized, all that stuff, right? Been on a journey with the Lord for over two years. Anyway, the culmination was he wanted to do motorcycle ministry. I just patched him in. And uh, when, he, when that started to happen, people started to churn on him because his life changed. He was convicted of things. And he changed his life. And so they bumped him out. But just, I just want to give you a quick thing on this. He just did a bike blessing. And he had all the major clubs, the ones you're thinking about, the ones you probably heard about, they all want to do bike blessings with him. So the ones that turned their back on him now see that he has a, a calling, a ministry, an opportunity to give back to them. It's unbelievable. It's unheard of. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Because usually when you're out, I don't know if you've ever heard this, you can be out bad or you can be out good. He was out in the middle. I don't even know what they call that. <laughs> but anyway, it changed for him. It's starting to change. It's starting to change. And, 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 and then what we do, uh, you know, when we go across the state, I do national type stuff. And I also do local stuff, state stuff. But a lot of it, what we do is this bike blessing stuff. As we go and we bless bikes and different motorcycle shops. We do gas station ministry. We do all kinds of ministry across the United States. Not all of it is with these people that you're thinking about, these dangerous motorcycle club people. And a lot of them, I'm just going to tell you this, they're hardworking blue-collar guys. They got families. They got loved ones. They got grandmas and grandpas. They got moms and dads. But you know what happened? Somewhere around, the la- around they were down. They were out. They were the dude on the ground, and everybody passed by them. Give, they, they believe that society gave up on them. And that's why they operate the way they do. They need a friend. And, and, and I know I, I must be running close to my time here, but I just want to share real quick. Real quick, I promise. Uh, I wanted to share with you real quick is that I pastored for like 12 years or something. I'm pretty close to 12 years. And I pastored at Inner City Church. We even pastored a little tiny church in North Dakota where they had us pick rocks in the field because they had to plant wheat. It was the best place I ever got steaks in my life. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> they would butcher a black Angus cow for us and give it to us. And I love that phone call. Uh, Pastor, how thick do you want your T-bones? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't know the, oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, but we pastored a, a church in uh, LeClaire, we pastored a church in Oregon, North Dakota. Oh, I pastored a church in Missouri. I was the first white pastor in an African church in Missouri. Amen? They looked through their books and they said, you're the first white man that's ever been the senior pastor of this church. I said, praise the Lord. Amen. This is my church then. Amen. I love this church. So it was a lot of people from Nigeria there. Anyway, I love that church. They would load the choir. They would always have the drums, finding the heartbeat of God, they would tell us. Anyway. It was, it, was, it was an awesome time. So anyway, God called us into the ministry. I went to, I've been to Bible college. I've been to seminary. I've, I've done all those uh, fun things with books. But now I, I want to do the practical. I feel like God has called us into this role as motorcycle ministry. And Honor Bound's the official motorcycle ministry of the Assemblies of God. 
And so we have a good team behind us. And I just ask you, if you ever see a Harley on the road, just think about me, pray for me, amen? If you pray for me and pray for the motorcycle people, pray for people that are hurting, pray for people that are broken, amen? Not all of them are that way. Not all of them are that way. But I'm just telling you, there is a great call for people to reach out to them. Because I'll tell you this right now. Even if only one of them, if it was just one, Christ would have died for them. That's for right. a dirty old biker, scruffy old biker, Jesus would have came back and died for just one. That's right. Just one. Amen. 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 Praise Amen. the Lord. Amen. Amen. What a blessing. I thank you. I covet your prayers. Yeah. Hey, let's, uh, let's, uh, let's all stand. Just uh, extend our hands in this direction. I'm going to pray for Matt. I, I, uh, I had the privilege of, of going, riding about a month ago, up to uh, Anamosa with Matt. And um, we went to J&P Cycles there and had a, uh, you know, it was a great time. We ate together. But he did something that, that you know, I, it's just a world that I'm not familiar with. And, but I saw it, I saw it, I witnessed it in his own life. I walked into J&P and there were some guys, there were some guys there that were all wearing their cuts and their colors, you know, they were from some club in Indiana or Illinois. Chicago. Chicago, or from yep. a club, from, from club in Chicago, you know, and. And, uh, and, I, and I walked in, and I saw them there having a conversation. I just walked right past them, you know. I was with Matt, but I just walked right past them. And then I looked behind me, and I saw that Matt was standing, like, like in a, kind of in a respectful stance, you know, like this, next to them, you know, as they were having their conversation. And I was like, okay, um, there's something happening here that I don't exactly know what's going on. And uh, you can explain what that is. I actually it's sure it's just protocol. Yeah. So whenever whenever we come as ministers, we want to be respectful of their conversation. And usually, what we look for is either a nod or a, or they invite us into their circle because yeah. they're all brothers. And then I'm an outsider, right? And so I want to be respectful of their space and time. And, yeah, yeah. yeah. And it was really cool. I I I kind of hung around by the bags as I was kind of shopping, looking, and listening, and I saw them. Finally, the sergeant of arms just kind of addressed you and started having a conversation with him. And Matt introduced himself as a chaplain to these guys. And they had a, a very cordial conversation, shook hands and everything. Everything went cool with them. And, but it's a world that I was unfamiliar with. And here's the deal. This family, and now he works at the University of Iowa. You work at the VA. They, uh, you know, he's in, believe it or not, he's in HR. <laughs> Doesn't he look like an HR guy? Yeah. No. Come see me after work. <laughs> uh, at the university, but uh, has a calling on their life to, to do motorcycle ministry. And that's uh, significant. When somebody says, I want to be obedient to God, step out and do what God has called us to do. And so I think we should pray for them. In fact, I, I felt really convicted when you said this. You see a Harley out there, just pray for us. We should. We should. And now that, now that you ride by and maybe you've been driving your car and you hear that loud, stinking motorcycle go by you and you think, how annoying is that? Maybe it's a good opportunity for you to say, oh yeah, Matt and Bridget. Let me pray for Matt and Bridget. Amen? Amen? Yes. Let's pray for them right now. Father, I just want to thank you, God, for, for Matt and Bridget, their calling on their life and their ministry. Father, we're praying right now, God, that you will make it fruitful, Father, that you will anoint their ministry, God, as they go into these places that many of us would never go, Father, that you would uh, open amazing doors of opportunity, Father, that 
the, the walls would come down and the conversations would be had. And Father, that there would be people on the other side of those colors, on the other side of that long hair and those beards and the motorcycles. On the other side of that, Father, is just a human being that you love, that you care about, that you died for. And that, God, they could have that conversation, that lives would be changed and transformed. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for calling them and for using them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.